my people, as thy people, my horses, as thy horses. Just a, a tremendous agreement that Jehoshaphat makes here. And he said, which way shall we go up? And he answered, the way through the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went, and the king of Judah, and the king of Edom. So we have three armies now. Not just two, three armies. Edom, Judah, and Israel, they've combined. And they fetched a compass of seven days' journey, and there was no water for the host and for the cattle that followed them. The king of Israel said, Alas, the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of, um, and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elijah's response is, is strong. And Elijah said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them and hand to Moab. And his son, now, his son was not as wicked, actually, as his dad. He was not as wicked as Ahab. He actually removed the high places. He even tried to stop Baal worship when he came into power. Um, but he never turned to the Lord. He still kept... Uh, if you go all the way back to when the nation split, when the nation had their, their rebellion under uh, Jeroboam, who had sent up the false worship of the gold caps, he never left that. So what he went back to, when he turned from the wickedness of his father, he just went to the wickedness of Jeroboam. He did not make an effort to go back to Jehovah God. And, uh, um, but, so, but there was some conscience to this man different than his father Ahab. So now, verse 14, Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before him I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. But now, bring me a menstrual, and it came to pass when the menstrual played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. Now here's the solution. <laughs> verse 17, For thus saith the Lord, it gets better, you shall not see wind. Neither shall you see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water, that you may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beasts. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. And he will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. Let's stop right there. Father in heaven, Lord, I ask your blessing upon the message tonight. Lord, I pray that you be glorified and honored. Lord, please use this to help us, to draw us closer to you. I pray for your, your mercy and your grace and your help. Please, Lord, control what I say. And I pray this would help us. If there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, Lord, I pray for that conviction and that drawing, that even this evening they repent and place their faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we have these three kings that have gathered. Let's, let's put the picture of this together. Um, king of Edom, king of Israel, king of, uh, of Judah. They're traveling through the valley. They've been out seven days and they're out of water. Uh, um, there's been no rain. There's a drought taking place. And so they have numerous problems all coming up to a head. All of them are deadly. The most pressing one is no longer Moab, but it is the water. Um, you can't go too many days without water, and they have no water. Think of the multitudes that are present in the valley. There's nothing there. It's hot. It's dry. There's no water. Uh, the horses have no strength. They have no strength. And they have the world's dominant army of the day that they're going to be confronting any time now. So that's what's taking place. That's finally when the, when the king of Judah says, 
we need a prophet. And somebody speaks up and says, listen, uh, Elisha is close by. And so, they, as we read, they have their meeting with, with Elijah. Elijah is stern. He lets, he lets the king of Israel know, you need just go back to the prophets of your mother and your father. As a matter of fact, if Jehoshaphat was not here, I would not see thee. I would have nothing to do with thee. And, and so, and there's also, you also see the power of music here. It's interesting, isn't it? This is a prophet of God. And, and the first thing he asked for was a musical instrument to come in. And then he gives the advice. Um, he gives the advice. He says, this is what the Lord is directing. This is what the Lord has said. The valley we're in right now, make it full of ditches. Get out your shovels and start digging. And, and then he, he makes it even, even a stronger statement. He says, you're not going to see wind. By the way, you're not going to see rain. No wind, no rain. Dig your ditches. He said, the Lord will bless and it will solve. He will provide water. Um, and he let them know that it will also tie in with Moab. And if we read on, that's exactly what happened. So, anyhow, the king said back, they instruct, if we would have read on, they instruct their army, all the soldiers were commanded, dig ditches. That's what we got to do. We, we heard from God, dig ditches, so they all start digging ditches. They dig their ditches, and sure enough, the Lord blesses miraculously. There is no cloud, there is no wind, there is no rain. Miraculously, once they finish digging their ditches, the Lord miraculously filled those ditches with water. So they're there one second, the ditches are all dug. What do we do now? Bam, they look over, they're all full of water. It solved all their problems and they didn't even know it yet. Had we read on, of course, that provides water. They're no longer dehydrated. Their strength is going to increase immediately. And then after the ditches were full of water and they're refreshed, the king of Moab arrives from the mountainside and he looks down into the valley and he sees the water. But you know what? There's been no wind, and there's been no rain. So you know what he concludes? It's blood. Those three armies just turned against each other. So when he heads down into the valley, he heads down into the valley thinking he's getting the spoils. They're not prepared for battle. Those three armies are fully prepared for battle. And so it leads to Moab getting crushed. Um, to the point, it was so... The battle... The, the, I mean, they, they were chasing them. It got so severe, if you read on in the chapter, that the king of Moab, to try and stem the slaughter, he goes to his false gods, and he offers up his own adult son as a sacrifice to try and stem the slaughter that they're under from these three armies. <clears throat> So, what I want you to think about today is this. Let's say you're there. You're just in the army. You're in the cavalry. you got a horse. You're there. You've had several days without water. Maybe as many as three or four now, because the water's run out. You have nothing. You haven't had anything. It is hot. It's probably, I would guess, 93 to 97 degrees outside. You haven't had any water at all. You have very little strength. All you know is the leaders of the nations, they're seeking this prophet of God, and now comes back word from the prophet of God, and this is what the preacher told them to do. Dig ditches. That's what we've got to do. Dig ditches. So if you're there, you get off your horse and you've grabbed your shovel. I have a question for you. How deep would your ditch be? Would you be like... Listen, this is going to work. This was a prophet of God. This is God's hand is on him. This is Elijah. I am digging a ditch. Or would you have been like, this is ridiculous. Why do we even go to church three times a week? What are we doing? 
How deep would your ditch have been? Now listen to me. One of the main reasons, one of the pri- there's several reasons involved. This certainly isn't exhaustive, this reason, but this is a biggie. This is like a top five reason we fail to genuinely see God's blessing on our life is simply because we're not digging any ditches. We're not preparing for God, putting ourselves in a place where God can bless us. Because what we see throughout Scripture, not just the example that we give it in this, in, in this literal story, this little uh, uh, um, event that took place that gives us a really good spiritual principle, the fact is, is that when we do our part, God does bless. But there's things that he does give us to do in order to, in order to have those blessings of God on our life. So we have to dig our ditches in order to see God's blessing. But we don't see God work many times simply because many times what we want is a blessing first. And then we'll serve. We get it all out of whack. Or we have things that are going to hinder time we get into. Faith? No, I don't want to do this. I actually had a guy tell me one time in, in, in counseling. A, 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 a situation got to a much greater degree than what it should have. And I had asked him. I had said, I said, I said, brother, why did you not come to me earlier? And this is what he told me. And, and I want to get in the flesh. I did not. I was good. I stayed very patient in my chair. He said, I thought you would have just told me to read my Bible and pray more. Do you know how he just dismissed the answer to his question? How he just dismissed the answer that he needed? just dismissed it. And amazing. So again, if you were there, how deep would your ditch be? How are you actually, what preparation do you have in your life for God in order to bless you, in order for God to work to provide water that you need? Because we all certainly need it. So I'm going to look at just two points tonight. And again, this is a quick message. It's probably 25 minutes at the most. And when this grabbed me, I still remember when I put this message together. This is a message that I prepared. I was 24 years old. I was sitting in Kunsan, Korea, and I was going to be preaching um, that week in church, and I didn't know what I was going to preach on. And I, at the time, I wasn't even preparing a sermon um, for it at all. I was, doing, I was reading a book that, that's out there right now, um, Spurgeon's Morning and Evening Devotions. And for that day, Spurgeon's text was Second, second Kings three seventeen. Just that verse. Thus saith the or and he said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Verse sixteen. That was his text. That was it. And he gave the thought that par- it's just a paragraph was all he gives. He just gives the paragraph of the need to prepare for God to be in order if, to prepare for God to bless you. And man, my mind just started running with that text. As I, of course, I, I read the whole chapter, and I'm like, "Oh man, this is this is needed." And so I, I prepared it, and I I preached it the first time that that Saturday night. Actually, it was not a Sunday; it was a Saturday night service that I, that I had preached this message. And so what I put together is is just two thoughts when I was meditating upon this. It was a topical message. I'm, I wasn't driving just from this text. It was one. So, and this was just in my devotion time. This is before the message. I thought, okay, so what ditches do I need to dig? All right, so what is it that I need to do to have that preparation, to have it ready? And then, secondly, what I went into was, what's going to help me with it? Um, So, let, let, let me get into this. First off, let me look at some ditches that we need to dig. 
The first one we're here, this is this could be more of a Sunday morning message because look at look over in Hebrews chapter ten. Hebrews chapter ten. There's many verses we can go into for this point. We're just going to look at one. Verse 25. It's probably a verse many of us could quote, Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The need to assemble. The need to be faithful to church. And then if we were to go into... Books like Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. I mean, many different places. The necessity of this institution that God has given of the church and why it's given for our growth. Why, in order to have that blessing, this is one of those ditches that you need to dig is, is to be faithful to church. You know, you think about verses like this. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not just in your devotion times, of course. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go into that. But it's also when you come to church. It's also when you're here. Have you ever, I hope you've been there at times. When, when you're, you're hearing the preaching, I can remember from the time I was 16 on, it just seeing something in the Bible. I'm like, look at that. And the faith just getting stronger. Faith increases. But you have to be here for that. And again, remember, it's not just coming to church. It's not just, again, we think we're getting an attendance button when we get to heaven. That's not what it's going to be like. It's, it's not just that you're here. You have to have that discipline to be here. But then it's what you do when you're here. It's being prepared. In other words, okay, you have to look at this. All right, this is preparation for God to work in my life. It's when the preaching happens that it determines, okay, I'm just going to pray, Lord, this clear my mind. Please give me something to help. Listening to it. Ignoring, this is a huge one, ignoring all the grammatical errors that might come to pass. Wow, two laughs out of that. Man, this is brutal. Brutal. I don't like anybody here. (laughs) So, the first ditch I want to talk again is being faithful to church. Determine that you're going to be faithful to church unless you are providentially hindered. And if you are, you are. That's fine. All right? You might, you might, you might get called into work. You do. You know, I, just like Sam is a police officer. Now, I, I know he's actually backslidden on Sundays when he's not here. Um, but no, that's providentially hindered at that point in time. Um, and he has a gun, so not much we can do about that. The second one. Let's, let's dig this ditch. This is one of the ones that get attacked. All right, well, let me take that back. Sometimes, I, when I preach this before, I've always said that this probably gets attacked the most, this ditch. And that is going to be your own private, your own personal devotion time of prayer and Bible. But I do believe this. I do believe more and more and more that it gets attacked just as much. The devil knows for the most part that, that we will have enough discipline to be faithful to church. He does. So the attack, if, if, he, if, if uh, the devil doesn't stop there, oh, they're going to church, he's determined... I've lost that battle. That's not how he works. He goes from another angle at that point. And that is, again, like I just covered, if you're going to be faithful, he's going to attack how you're listening when you're here. Why you're coming when you're here. So I believe that gets attacked just as much as our own prayer and Bible time because, you know what the devil knows? It's digging your ditch. 
It's, it's actually putting your life in a place, spiritually speaking, that God can work more and more and more with your life. But to dig a ditch here, but digging the ditch of prayer and Bible, just like digging the ditch, it takes work. Remember, my, my stepfather still owns it. He owns a plumbing business. And so when I was a teenager, my mom, she got remarried. He owned the plumbing business. And the only time he would take me, he never taught me any plumbing at all. Ne- never taught me. But he would take me with him. If it, I'm not kidding. If a ditch needed dug, that's when I went. That's when I went. He'd have the shovels ready. And it was just miserable. <laughs> because it would be these enormous lines. I'm like, go get a backhoe. <laughs> I mean, get a, rent a tool. I don't want to go out here and do it. You're going to take me to McDonald's afterwards is what I'm going to get for this. And, and he would pay me some money, of course. But oh, I couldn't stand that. I'd get out there and see, oh. It was hard work. And at the time, it just seemed like such a waste of time. I mean, just digging and digging and digging. So some of these times, there's time that discipline does come in. And so when it comes to your own devotion time, boy, again, when you're having it, when you get down there and you're in, your, in that, that morning gets up, first you, you determine that you're going to have it. You have the set time for it. Um, and I recommend, you know, as long as you're in it, I'm going to be happy. But, but I recommend you really divide it up. I think it's best to be systematic. I think if you're not systematic in your Bible reading, you're setting yourself up for failure when it comes to the faithfulness of it. What I mean by systematic is this, is that you have some type of organized approach to how you're reading the Bible. Some people, like in one systematic way, those who choose to read their Bible through in a 365-day time frame, that's fine. Um, That's one systematic way, an organized way to accomplish it. Um, uh, Another way that I recommend, I think that's a good way to do it, uh, is is to divide it up. I, I almost look at the Bible as three separate books. Um, Old Testament, New Testament, and poetry. So I, I, I try to pull from all three of those in my daily devotions. So I, I separate Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. That's w- almost like one book for me, then the Old Testament and New Testament. And then I, so then I'll, take, then I'll go through those um, throughout the year, covering those but trying to get into each one of those each, each day. And, and I think that's much more... For me, that was much better help than just going through it from... Because it, the bulk of your time, then, is going to be in the Old Testament. All right? The bulk of... If you're just going to go through... The bulk of your time is going to be... Old, that, that's where it's going to be. And, and we need every word of God. But there's not a person that wouldn't disagree. It's not counting Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes... Some of that meat for us, Book of Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Hebrews, James, there's so much there. I would prefer you in that every day and not just three months out of the year. All right? Um, and, uh, and just like there's much we need in the Old Testament, be reminded of, of, like when you're coming through Second Kings and you're reading that. I mean, that strengthens your faith when you see what God does. We need that too. So I'm saying, I think it's good to kind of divide those up a little bit. And, and be in all of those. And then you have to determine to be faithful to it. And then when you do it, again, it's what you do with it. It's not just the faithfulness. It's not just saying, I'm going to do it every day. It's what you do when you read. It's what you do when you pray. And I know that from experience because of my own failures. I, I know that I've been down there praying and I'm going to sleep now. That's all that's going to happen. You know, early in the morning, you, it's, you can get tired. And, you know, and I'll be in the middle of a thought and... And then I'm just zoning. <laughs> and I look at it, I'm like, 15 minutes has now passed. 
And if I was charismatic, I could claim I was in the Spirit, and it was the best prayer time I've had all year. Um, or my mind runs. In the middle of prayer time, I'll thoughts hit, and next thing you know, I'm running on this thought. It's just going and going and going and going. I'm like, oh, man, I, I got I to get back to this. Stay disciplined. And you know what helped me solve a lot of that, by the way? And those who've been in county, I tell you this. Pray out loud. Just you don't, don't pray so your family can hear you wake everybody up so they know you're spiritual. Don't do that. My goodness. But pray out loud. Just a soft voice. Pray out loud. It helps you to concentrate on your prayer. Um, if you're praying in the morning, which I strongly recommend devotions whenever you get up. I think that's the best time for it. Um, pray out loud. Um, that will greatly help you concentrate and have a stronger prayer time when you're doing that. So, and then the Bible, uh, um, when you're reading, read it then. It's not, it's really, it's not a magic book. I mean, there's times when preachers preach this book, they, they preach it like it's a magic book. Like you open it and poof. And so Christians come with that expectation to it and they're like, I'm not, I got nothing. Because you're looking at it like a magic book. It's not a magic book. It's not what it is. When you come to it, one, you read it. All right? You read it. Um, and then you go through. And if, if you have, and I, I'll do that. If, if I'm reading in my chapter, I'm like, I, I, as soon as I finish one of the chapters that, that I'm going to be going through, whether it's several or what, I'll stop and I'll, right, what will I just read? And if I don't know, I read it again. All right? And then, so you got through, you read it. And then what I strongly recommend you do that at that point in time is you need to meditate upon that. You say, so how, how do I do that? Um, look for one major thought from your reading. Whether it's in the Old Testament, something from the poetry, something from the New Testament. Just one. Just grab one. Don't be super spiritual. I'm going to grab seven. Because that will last two days and you're going to go back to nothing. Just grab one. And think about it throughout the day. Um, and I've mentioned this before from the pulpit to help with it is this. And I heard, a, I heard a pastor do that back when I was in my early 20s. And I did it, and it is amazing. He had said, he, he was preaching the same idea, make sure you think about what you read for that day. And he had said, um, give yourself a color to remind you of what you read. That whenever you see that color, you'll meditate once again about that thought that you had. Um, and so mine was blue. So I saw blue all day. But pick whatever color you want. You'll see it all day. The Lord will put it before you all day and think about it. And that's, that was also how I got the idea as my kids were getting older and they were now readers in the home. That's when I changed our family devotion structure. Uh, the family devotion changed at that time. It was not just instructional for me. Um, and, and again, that's something I think you, you keep short. You keep it there. You keep their attention with it. Seeing a couple of songs when they're smaller, that, that might you know, fan out a little bit as they become teenagers. You, you, do, you, you want it to be a help. It's not just the discipline of it. All right? It's almost like kids are afraid of the Bible because the, it's almost used as this disciplinary means in a home. Um, but so, in, so the family devotions got restructured when they were readers that everybody just had to come with whatever that thought was they had from their devotion. So when they came, give us the verse or verses that you read. And then... Why did that grab you? For some, it might take 10 seconds for the answer. I was fine with that. I wasn't about to say, you know what, you better come with a five-minute answer to this. I'm not going to do that. But what I wanted to do, my whole goal was just think about what you read. All right? 
And then it's, it becomes practical with it of looking, okay, trying to answer that question for yourself, how do I apply it? Is there anything I can do right now with this? Now, in, in all honesty, many of the days you're not necessarily going to have an answer to that question right away. I can be all spiritual and preach at you and say, every day you ought to have something. You know, I can do this right now. But that's just not, that's just not reality. But there's going to be many times you are going to be struck with something. You know what? I could do this different. Well, then apply it. Do it. That's digging your ditch. That's digging your ditch. I got a lot of verses. I'm not going to go over there. Uh, uh, but, you know, it helps us prosper. Psalm chapter 1, we know that. We're to read it, First Peter 2. Study it, Second uh, Timothy 2.15. Study so the self-approved. And, of course, memorize it, Psalm 119.11. I mean, there's all the instructions to meditate, memorize, study. You know, do all that. All right, the third ditch. This one is, is, is becoming less and less in our day. And I think, I think there's several reasons why. One, because we are becoming such a... Uh, carnal uh, culture, or what's the better word? Humanistic culture, uh, the, the, the paradigm shift that has now occurred, the culture changing dramatically. Well, let, let me go to the verse first, Second Corinthians chapter 6. And I think how this used to be preached when the country was more closer to God or had more of a biblical basis to it, sometimes wasn't necessarily scriptural, and it ended up leading to problems when our country went to this humanistic move away from God. And that is this idea of separation, and what do we do with it? So let's look at one of the... One of, it's not the only text, of course, but it is a key text for the doctrine of separation. It says, verse 14, "...be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness?" And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? So as we can see, this is, this is making a case that a separation needs to be in place in a believer's life. Okay? That's what it's doing. It's making that case. Um, verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. By the way, you can see here, I mentioned this is a ditch. Here's the blessing that comes when you dig this ditch, and I will be a father unto you, and you should be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That doesn't deal with our salvation. It deals with the closeness of the relationship that you're going to feel with God, that you're going to, let me rephrase that, that's a bad word, that you're going to have with him as a result of digging this ditch. And so, I think, figuring out how this one works, in some ways it's really easy. In some ways, it's, 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 it's pretty clear-cut. Um, if you can be obviously with uh, um, any dating relationships, it's clear cut. You know, the, you can't get into that agreement. Business deals that are coming in with secular, you're, it's you know anything that's going to uh, um, that is obvious coming into an agreement with an unbeliever that's going to hinder you. Now, here's how you need to draw the line in your own life. All right, because we had certain things. Let's put it this way: that I believe in the past that were preached on from a point of separation that was very hard to naturally find a biblical basis for it. Although, many of those things I would agree with, but it's how, I think it lacked, 
I think they're going to the wrong authority to, 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 to establish it. And then as things changed, that fell through when holes were poked in different things. So let me explain. Um, I, I've talked about it before. There's a difference between convictions and standards. Many of those convictions and standards that you will set up in your life will have to do with the idea of separation. Okay? With how you're going to separate. It's not isolation, by the way. It's separation. Huge difference. We do live in this world. It's not like the one church did here back in the 90s and selling your church property, going north of Talkeetna and buying a compound and living in it. That is not what's going on here. And yes, an independent fundamental Baptist church did that in the 90s here in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, It's not isolation. The reason why separation is given is for one word for you. Protection. You have a flesh. It likes the things of the world. It is prone to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's a reality. You can't ignore that. Or your Christian life will suffer every single day. Therefore, you have to put things in place. If you want to dig this ditch, if you want, guys, but many people just don't want it. It just amazes me. How would you not want the Creator? Uh, what I was going to do tonight, I just couldn't get it together. I should have. I did have time. I just got sidetracked with other stuff. It didn't matter. I wanted to show some of the pictures from that new telescope, and that thing just incredible. Um, the pictures that are coming out of that, just amazing. Um, but why would you not want the Creator of everything <laughs> blessing your life? Really? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get that. So, back to separation. So, the idea is protection. It is you saying, okay, these are things that should be in my life that will protect me in this area. So that I don't have something developing that's either can be testimony related or personal related on, on, a, on a friendship level that could hurt me. Because it's very true. Uh, some of the time it just gets knocked and I'm, I'm just shocked. We underestimate the power of our own flesh, just like Peter did. You underestimate the power of your own flesh. It is a whole lot easier to pull someone down than it is to pull someone up. A whole lot easier. So you have to make, when it comes to the thing of separation, you have to think, okay, this, the purpose of this is to protect me. I've got to dig this ditch. So then you put things in place in your life that serve as protection. Even though those things you put in up as protection, they might not be sin in themselves. There might not be one thing that I can go to. That's like a lot of people say, you show me where this is sin. As if that's, their, that, that's the, the great deal standard for it. Sometimes when I say, really, do you not get it? It might not be something that I can go to scripture and say, yes, this is sin. But I can, it, it's a matter of saying, all right, but what, what is going to help me the best? With my spiritual walk. It's not how close can I get. It's, it's not how worldly can I be without crossing the line. It's okay, Lord, what is right? And then putting those things in your life. Even though you set up a protection. Say, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do this. All right? Again, it's not that that thing might be sin. That's obvious. We don't do, we're not to do sinful things. But you might establish things that aren't sin of themselves, but you put them in because you can see, listen, if I don't, this is, I need the protection. I shouldn't do that. Does that make sense? And so the purpose of separation is to protect you. 
It is to protect your testimonies, to protect your own walk with God. So you put things in place to do just that. Sometimes it's not clear-cut as, well, that's sin and this isn't, so I can do it. No, that's, that's that's not all there is to the Christian life. It's not just a question, is it sin or is it not? The question is, is it best or is it not? It's never a question of it's sin. That's, we already know the answer to that. Is it best or is it not? And because we all walk differently, I will say this, it is true, some things that, we all might have different levels of that. Okay? Um, and, and to go from there. All right, so, let me go on. This is going longer than I thought it would. So, point number two is the longest one is a good hour. We'll be here. No. I, I, just, want to give you, I just want to give you a couple of helps. I'm going to give three helps to dig in your ditch, because it's never fun to get in a ditch, all right? And these I can take from the text, okay? This is a sermon I could preach if I want to go expository or textual uh, a sermon from this text. These I drive from the text. What do you need to dig your ditches? Number one, take the counsel of the man of God, all right? And, and let me preface this. I don't mean this in the extreme, because I do think, I think it got crazy weird, in the 70s and 80s with the counsel of the man of God as if it was God speaking. Okay? Um, and, and to the point of pastors picking spouses and everything else. Uh, now, if your pastor brings you in, he says, which, if I was to do that, because it's extreme. I would have a general, serious concern. At least you really need to think about this. This is something, that, that, this is not good. Wait for, a, you know, give this time. There's stuff here. Anyhow, take the counsel of the man of God. The people listened to Elijah. They dug the ditches. If they don't dig the ditches, what happens to them? They're dead. That's it. Day eight, they're dead. They have no strength to fight Moab. Moab shows up. He comes down to fight. They're not ready to fight. They have no strength. They're dead. If they don't dig the ditches, there's no water. Take the counsel of the man of God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 and verse 17. And this is within the institution of the authority that the pastor has, because many times those lines get crossed and blurred. It's just crazy. But within that spectrum, take the counsel. Take the counsel. Listen. Number two, also from the text, don't look at the circumstances. Do you know how many times people base scriptural principles because in their mind they don't see the circumstances happening, so they quit? They're digging their ditches. Did they, did they feel any wind? No. Did a cloud come over the horizon? Nope. No storm was coming. You know, they could have been there, been like digging the ditch. Well, they said rain's going to, or it's going to be filled with water. So that might, in their mind, they had to conclude, if you ask me, if I'm there, that's what I'm thinking, well, it's going to rain. So they're digging their ditch, but there is, there is no, there, the Bible is clear. There's no wind, there's no clouds coming, nothing. There's not a cloud in the sky, and they're digging their ditch. Had they based the counsel of the man and God on the current circumstances they were looking at, they wouldn't have dug the ditches. They would have waited if they felt some wind or clouds coming. Oh, let's dig. We can see how this is going to work now. And then they would have started digging. That's not what happened. They never saw wind. They never saw rain. But remember, that's also what led to their victory, wasn't it? Let's put it this way. Let's say that that's how God decided to fill those ditches with water. Because he could have. Let's say they dug them and then clouds rolled in and it poured. I mean, they'd have been thrilled. But think, when the king of Moab came, he said, there's been no wind or rain. That can't be water. These armies turned against each other. So the Lord used the fact 
those circumstances in a way those armies never realized. Do you understand that God's mind is so much greater than ours in his sovereignty? You can't figure it out, so don't try. Just trust him. Just trust him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is true. Lastly, keep digging. Keep digging until the water's there. Digging is no fun, I know. But you keep digging. You stay at it. Moreover, brethren, it's required in a steward that a man be found faithful. Keep digging. Don't stop coming to church. Stay with your devotions. Put the things in your life. And don't let the devil come in this world we're living in that is pulling us more and more and more towards it. Keep those things in place. We're, we're, what, what text is that? Uh, I'm getting way too old. There's a text in here where Paul, it must be in Timothy, I think it was with Timothy. Paul encouraged Timothy. Let me look. He told him, what did he say? What did he say? Where is that at? About, continue, here it is. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. I'm in Second Timothy 3. That's not. I mean, that, that's the same point I'm making, but there's a stronger text with it. There is. There's even. A, there's even a stronger one, where he's encouraging him. What I have taught you, don't lose it. Don't forsake it. Stay with it. Those things that you have been taught, that you know are right. Stay with it. Don't quit. We, we, we live in a day now, you think about this, don't think it's coincidence. We recognize on the outside world how authority is being challenged left and right. We have no trouble recognizing that. You know, we see the challenge with, with uh, police and, and, and anarchy and people wanting to establish. Do you understand that same spirit, that demonic influence is also very active in churches? Forsaken against the different biblical authority that's in place. Things that have been taught, just forsake it. Listen, if, if, if you know, wait, just, it, it, when you're looking at something, at least be genuinely honest before God. God, is this something that is right? And is it best? And until you're settled, you stay with it. Because what's ours not a faith to sin? You, you, you don't, even, even, if, even if it gets to a point where a, a, you do have a, a conviction based on a biblical principle coming that, no, this, this is how I can do this, and I am good. It's going to still protect me. I'm going to be close to God. I, I don't have any worries here. But if, if you doubt until that point in time, it's still not right. It's not. And that's a whole other sermon, though, right there. So what do you need to keep digging your ditches? Take the counsel of the man of God. They did that there. Don't look at the circumstances. Keep digging. Don't stop digging. With heads bowed and eyes closed. We're just going to go into a time of prayer right here. And Patty, it's fine. You can stay right there. You can stay right there. You're, you're good. What we're going to do is I'm going to give you a time of prayer right now. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. And you can pray right there at your seats here tonight. And uh, now let me ask this.